Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller and Derek Van Riper here with you to talk early week eight waivers. That's right. We are here recording this episode on Sunday night of week seven. 49ers and Colts about to kick off the Sunday night game about an hour from now. But we're going to move, move along and look ahead to week eight and try to help you get a head start on your waiver process for your leagues. DBR, how's Sunday treating you, my friend? Good. Good relaxing Sunday. Just watching football and kind of having like those in and out nap sort of uh, vibes which is absolutely perfect for a a fall Sunday yeah that is uh, exactly what uh, I think a lot of us want out of our Sundays fantasy wins to go along with that as well and uh, none of these guys that we're talking about likely helped uh, much of anyone in week seven but potentially they could help out in week eight let's start with Michael Gallup DVR I think we just need to clear the decks on this one he could return from IR in week eight he's been out since week one suffered a calf injury in that uh, season opener against the Buccaneers and then hasn't played since so the Cowboys could get him back in week eight he has been the subject of some trade rumors as well so that's something to keep in mind with him but Michael Gallup is someone who you know if, if he didn't have the injury we wouldn't be talking about him as a waiver guy this was someone who was roundly drafted a lot of people can't just stash someone for two months so you understand why he was dropped but now's the time to get him back on your brain because he could be someone who is back in week eight and is making an immediate impact in a really strong offense. Yeah, and I think a lot comes down to the types of games that Dallas finds itself in in the next few weeks at Minnesota, home against Denver, home against Atlanta, road against Kansas City, just looking at the next four. I would say three out of those four games could be reasonably high scoring games. You need that volume for someone like Gallup to pop if both Amari Cooper and CD Lamb are healthy, and that is the case right now as we look ahead to week eight. So I'm almost wondering if the trade scenario for Gallup is better for his value because he might end up in a situation where he's a true number two option in a passing game again if that happens instead of being more of a fringy like 3A, 3B sort of guy, which is what he is right now in Dallas. Yeah, and you have to keep in mind Dalton Schultz has emerged as a regular part of Dallas's offense, someone who's startable in fantasy, but the bigger impact as it relates to Gallup is it just takes some more targets off the board. Obviously, we know Zeke Elliott's going to have a big role. Tony Pollard has emerged as someone who commands a large share of touches as well, so there's just a lot of mouths to feed in that Dallas offense, and we know nothing is going on with Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb. They are still going to be the alphas there. So Michael Gallup, an interesting guy. If you're looking for some wide receiver help, he definitely qualifies, and also also keep in mind, Dallas had their bye in week seven. So uh, you won't have to worry about a Michael Gallup bye the rest of the season if he does remain a cowboy. Probably my favorite wide receiver target on the wire this week. If I was going to say there was a different one, maybe it's Rashad Bateman. He had six more targets in the week seven loss to the Bengals. Uh, that gives him six targets in both games he's played this season. DVR caught three of them for 80 yards. It just seems safe to say that he's going to have a meaningful role to play in Baltimore's passing game the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's Mark Andrews, it's Marquise Brown, and then it's Rashad Bateman. And I think this Ravens defense has 
proven to be a bit more leaky than we're accustomed mm-hmm. to, which may force them into situations where they have to throw more than they want to. And because of that, a third option does become more sustainable. But Bateman might be more consistent than someone like Marquise Brown from week to week, too, because of the way he's used. Brown is out there for so many of those deep shots. Bateman might be more of that possession type guy they can use in tandem with Andrews from the tight end spot to give their passing game a bit more consistency. This is a guy that looked really good on some pretty mediocre teams in college at Minnesota. Uh, He looks every bit the part of someone who's going to be an impact player at the highest level. So I'm definitely in on Bateman. With them being on bye in Week 8, you do have to wait a week before you can use them again, but it's easier to stash a player in Week 8 than it was in Week 7 with so many teams on bye this week. It's really hard to hold a guy like Bateman unless you're actually going to use him. Yeah, it's a good point. Ravens are on bye in Week 8. Just two teams on bye in Week 8. The other one, the Las Vegas Raiders, who uh, put together another nice performance and a win over the Eagles on Sunday. Let's talk about a couple of running backs here, DVR. The first one I want to talk about, actually, as of this moment, you and I talking, hasn't had his Week 7 game, and that is Rashad Penny. He is going to come off the IR list and make his season debut on Monday night against the Saints. We know that Chris Carson's dealing with this neck injury. Alex Collins going to play as well on Monday, but he's banged up as well. There seems to be the door ever so slightly ajar for Rashad Penny to carve out something of a meaningful role in the Seattle offense. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think it's going to be probably a two to three week sort of audition for him to prove he Mm -hmm. deserves something larger because we're not going to see Chris Carson until I think it's week 10 is the earliest he's able to possibly return. And even that's not a certainty given the, the diagnosis there. I've said this a few times about Rashad Penny. I mean, because the Seahawks invested a first round pick in him back in 2018, it always feels like they want to give him that chance to succeed. And I think the absence from Carson is the thing that will finally give them a clearer path to make that happen. So my expectations are that he's probably more of like a flex guy, maybe a low end RB2, and we have more teams on by in future weeks if things go well. But that certainly plays. Those are the types of guys that make a difference. If he can get you 10 to 12 points week in and week out, that's probably an upgrade over who you're using in those spots, especially when rosters get thinned out. Yeah, and you know, I think they're going to want to give someone some touches. I mean, you go back to last week for this Seahawks team. Alex Collins did get 20 carries in that game against the Steelers, turned that into 101 yards and a touchdown. He was clearly the lead back there, but you had DJ Dallas get four carries and five targets. Travis Homer stole away a couple of carries and a target as well. So it's not like they have just handed the keys over entirely to Alex Collins, and that was without Rashad Penny in the picture. So I think we could pretty quickly see a scenario in which Collins becomes Carson and Penny becomes Collins. And that would be something that could be you know, fruitful for Rashad Penny and for fantasy managers who scoop him up, especially with all the buys that we still have ahead of us. And really, I mean, you know, even if you take the buys out of the equation that we just had here in week seven DVR, it was a rough week at the court, at the running back position because of all the injuries. So you couple those things together and suddenly someone who you would think of as RB 35 or RB 38 doesn't look so bad because with everyone being out, they get bumped up six or seven spots. And so it looks a lot different. Rashad Penny has that going for him already. And then you never really know what the case might be for him. If he uh, just carves out a larger role for himself, if he plays very well with this opportunity, he could uh, possibly vault over Alex Collins and be the primary running back in Seattle. So it's something to watch. And definitely a guy, if you can still do this, if your league still allows you to pick up guys before they have played and you can drop guys that weren't in your starting lineup, 
Think about making a move for Rashad Penny before the Monday night game if he's available in your league because there's a chance that he will be much, much more expensive after Monday night. Another running back situation we got to talk about here at DVR is in Philadelphia. Miles Sanders left the Eagles' loss to the Raiders with an ankle injury. He got carted off. Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott handled the bulk of the running back duties the rest of the way. And when I was making this uh, little sheet of guys we were going to talk about for this show, I initially just threw down Boston Scott's name because I just assumed that Gainwell had too high of roster rates uh, to be someone who we talked about. But I went and checked it out. Got to do the due diligence, right? And that's just not the case. He is south of 40% rostered on both Yahoo and CBS. So this is someone who could definitely have a big role to play. I mean, Miles Sanders getting carted off. That is not, not, not a good thing. Not something you want to see. Gainwell was already making some inroads in this offense, and maybe they turned to him as the primary back here. Yeah, Gainwell uh, had a TD catch on the opening drive for the Eagles and that loss to the Raiders, too. So it's not like he was completely uninvolved when Sanders was healthy, had a pretty clear pass-catching role already. I think he'd have a pretty significant advantage over Scott in terms of how the workloads would be distributed because Boston Scott has been a ghost in this offense. I mean, this is a guy that I think is just a role player. I think you could basically put Boston Scott in the role that Gainwell has been holding with Sanders being healthy and then just bump Gainwell into the Sanders role. Gainwell could take this job and not give it all back, though, too. That's yep. within the range of outcomes. So you're getting a short-term boost kind of in that same RB2 flex range that we talked about earlier with the possibility of someone that could actually stick around and make an impact deep into the season. The next two weeks are really favorable matchups. Two teams that have been very generous to opposing running backs with matchups against the Lions in Week 8 and the Chargers in Week 9. So if I'm looking at Gainwell versus Penny, and in most leagues we'll get a look at Penny before we have to make mm-hmm. the call, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up all pushing more of our fab budgets towards Gainwell this week. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. And here's something else to think about. This Philly team, now 2-5, and five, almost certainly not going to be in the playoff mix. Uh, Miles Sanders just hasn't been the guy they drafted him to be back in 2019. Kenny Gainwell was a fifth-round pick this year. Maybe they want to take a longer look at him. I think we know who Boston Scott is. And those three guys, Sanders, Gainwell, and Scott, the only running backs on the active roster for this team. They do have a couple of backs on the practice squad, including Jordan Howard. Maybe they go out and bring someone off the street. I wouldn't think of them as a player in a trade for someone like Marlon Mack, who's been rumored to be a possible trade target for some teams. But again, at two and five, even, I mean, what's Marlon Mack realistically going to cost you in the trade market, a seventh round pick? It's not like it's a prohibitive cost, but two and five, it would make more sense to me that you would see what you've got in this fifth round back that you already like, that you already had having a big role in your offense right from the jump this season and see what he can do with a larger role rather than going out and trading for someone like Marlon Mack or trying to make a move like that. So depending on the severity of the Sanders injury, Kenny Gainwell definitely could be the big running back worth going after on fab and on waivers this week. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get to a couple more guys here, DVR, before we wrap things up. These are all definitely lower-level guys, not quite at the level of Gallup or Gainwell or Penny or Bateman, any of the guys we've talked about. Do we have to play the Peyton Barber game? Again, Josh Jacobs left the same game, Raiders-Eagles, with a chest injury. Um, Barber wasn't out there for this game, and so we saw the other backs in uh, Vegas handle the larger role of the duties. Kenyon Drake out in the end zone in this game. But we saw earlier this season when Peyton Barber was out, Kenyon Drake's role didn't really change. It was Peyton Barber, excuse me, when Josh Jacobs was out. It was Peyton Barber who was jumping into that role and Drake basically doing what this team already asks of him every single week. Maybe John Gruden not being there changes things. Is this a game you want to get involved in this week? I wouldn't go overboard. If you're in a league that uses fab, it's kind of close to a min bid because Jalen Richard is healthy now, and I think he has some sort of role in, in what's already a crowded backfield situation. Kenyon Drake and the usage last time Jacobs was hurt, that was puzzling given what this team gave to Drake in free agency to be what seemed like more than a backup so I'd be careful I think things are just a little bit different this time around you mentioned Gruden not being there but I do think Jalen Richard's presence also changes how the Raiders are going to manage their personnel in their backfield if Jacobs misses some time yeah and another team as we said on by in week eight so maybe by the time week nine rolls around Josh Jacobs is fine and ready to play so min bid for sure uh, we got to talk about him though because Peyton Barber, just that guy who will not go away. Russell Gage with a decent little game for the Falcons in Week 7. Made his return to the field after missing a couple of games with injury. Got six targets, caught four of them for 67 yards and a touchdown. And you know what? Let's group him with Darius Slayton, who took advantage of all the uh, injuries and in the Giants receiving core to get nine targets, catching five for 63 these are depth receivers. These are not guys you're ever going to want to lean on as regular starters, uh, but guys who could play a role for you depending on your situation, buys and all that. How do you prioritize them? I, like I said, depth receivers, you're not going to go crazy. Would you rather have Gage or Slayton going forward? I think I'd rather have Gage, even though I think Slayton's the better player, just because the Giants have so many injured players who are going to come back and, and possibly bumped Slayton to sort of like a four to five target per game role. I think there's room for Gage to get a little bit more because he could be the clear-cut number three in Atlanta, I guess kind of four would be a better description because of, of Corderell Patterson. But yeah. obviously you have Ridley, you have Kyle Pitts, you got Patterson. They have to throw a lot. They end up mm -hmm. in shootouts. They end up trailing often. The upcoming schedule for the Falcons is pretty good too. Carolina in week eight is not an easy matchup, but it's also not one where you'd be afraid to use Gage if you had to. But then they've got the Saints on the road. they got the Cowboys on the road. They have Jacksonville coming up in week 12. So throughout these weeks when we're going to be shorthanded, there's more than a handful of spots where you'd feel pretty good about Gage as your last receiver in leagues where you have to start three, especially if you're getting a full point per reception. I think that format especially is one where Gage sort of jumps out to me. I'm with you there as well. And let's remember, Darius Slayton got this because of all those injuries for the Giants. So when Kenny Galladay comes back, when Sterling Shepard comes back, things are going to look a little bit different for Darius Slayton. All three of those guys, those two and Kadarius Tony, missed the win over the Panthers in Week 7. Finally, 
Let's throw one Patriot into the mix here, Brandon Bolden. The Patriots have been looking for someone to fill the James White role ever since he went on IR, and it looked like Ramondre Stevenson was becoming that guy. He had a big pass-catching game a week ago, and we were starting to let ourselves get a little bit excited about it, and then suddenly, surprise and active, Ramondre Stevenson, Brandon Bolden steps up, six catches on seven targets for 79 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, it was just a, a wacky game against the Jets where the Patriots ended up scoring 54 points, but... Do we read this as Bolden now being ahead of Stevenson, or is this just Belichick up to his old tricks? I think this might just be roster management on game day. Brandon Bolden plays special teams, Ramondre Stevenson doesn't, so I'm wondering if there's Mm -hmm. something going on with the personnel groups where it made more sense to just use Bolden as that pass catcher for this week. So, yeah, I mean, anybody who could take on the James White function has some appeal in deeper leagues, again, where you're getting a full point per reception, but that's not much to hang your hat on. I know this is a team that won't throw the ball downfield a ton, but I don't like it. (laughs) I don't expect (laughs) New England's offense to erupt the way it did against the Jets in Week 7, and even with some scripts coming up where they could be playing from behind, especially in Week 8 against the Chargers, I wouldn't expect Bolden to have anything close to the role that he had against the Jets on Sunday. Deep league target, you're not going to spend very much to get him even in that scenario. But a guy who, after the game he had and the fact that the Patriots are looking around for, wanted to make sure to touch on him as we get ourselves prepped for these Week 8 waivers. That's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. We say good luck to those of you who still need some wins out there, who still need some points. We hope you get them, and we'll talk to you soon. 